Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray. You're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? What's this bitch talking about? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years, give or take a couple weeks, after its original air date. So this episode we're talking about tonight is called Bring On the Night. It originally aired on December 17th, 2002. Sorry. Um, So as I record this, it is January 2nd. So sorry, guys. And it's only going to be January 2nd for another 10 minutes or so. So (laughs) I am really late on this one. And I'm going to be talking about the next episode, Showtime, at the end of this week. Or the end of next week. Because you know how I do. Um... At least I didn't start getting so tardy and lazy until the last season, right? I don't know. No one's complained yet. But if someone complains, I will get better. I promise. (laughs) If you would like to complain, email me at mixtressray at protonmail.com. Okay. So this is the one where um, the potentials and Giles arrive. And we start getting some real answers about what the first is it's um (laughs) so yeah this is pretty much just overall an exposition episode you know we're getting caught up Giles shows up he has a bunch of books from the Watchers Council that he stole from them because the it turns out the first which is the big bad of season seven in case you forgot okay just pause because I thought I was gonna sneeze but I didn't sneeze So uh, apologies in advance if I sneeze on you guys. Um, So previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the big bad of season seven is calling itself the first. It's the first evil. It's a manifestation of evil. It's the thing that created all evil things. Blah, 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 blah. They've never come up against something so extreme before. Of course, because this is the last season of Buffy. So of course it's going to be like the most insurmountable evil that they've come across so far. Um, so Giles shows up. Um, I think they found out in the last episode that it was the first, but now they're getting more information about what that is. Andrew's still tied to a chair the entire episode. Um, he ends up giving them the, whatever the information that he knows, which is really just the seal of Danzelthar. Um, he takes them to it in the basement of the high school. Um, they see the principal there whenever he, whenever Andrew has taken them to the seal in the middle of the night, cause he's just come back from burying Jonathan. Um, we meet the Uber vamp slash the Turakhan, which is like, as Giles explains it, it's like as Neanderthals are to humans, the Turakhan is to vampires. It's like, the primitive form of vampire. It's vampires before vampires. So in the mythology of Buffy, vampires are half, like half demon, half human. And that's what a vampire is. But this vampire, I don't know if they explain it this way at any point, but I'm assuming that this vampire is, there's more of a percentage of demon in these vampires, the uber vamps. Um, so that's this episode. It's not particularly amazing, but it advances the plot. 
we're getting this whole situation with um, Giles. He shows up with a bunch of the potentials with him. Kennedy, Annabelle, some others that I don't remember their names yet. Um, he shows up with basically any of the potentials that he could gather up in England and bring them with him. He didn't tell anyone he was coming. We haven't even known if Giles is alive and he's intentionally not touching things as will. I didn't notice it at the time whenever I was first watching it, but we get like two or three episodes of Giles not touching anything. Um, and later we find out that it is Giles. He is alive. It's fine. It's not the first, but like right now it's very, it seems very obvious to me because I know that he's not touching anything. It seems obvious to me because like when he first shows up, Buffy starts to go towards him to hug him, but, um, gets distracted by all the girls coming in the door. Um, and so she doesn't end up hugging him, which is dumb because of course she would have hugged him anyway. She would have waited until the onslaught of girls stopped coming in the door and she would have hugged him. That's it, right? <laughs> um, and also he doesn't really help her at one point in the episode whenever she falls into the cavernous whatever tunnels or whatever it is underneath the Christmas tree lot from season three because they were investigating, you know, a lair of the first and the Turacon was down there. Why was the fucking Turacon down there? I don't know, whatever, but it was. Um, anyway, it's, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I guess I could stop talking now, but I should probably keep going. I did take some notes. Um, hold on, let me pause and uh, collect myself here. Okay. Um, hey, how was everybody's like Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff? Welcome to 2023. I'm excited about it. As per usual, I am one of those people that does like a shit ton of resolutions and um, this year's no different. Um, I'm having a good time so far. And I also, as I always ask for like the week after Christmas off, um, and this year I got lucky. My boss like texted me cause she hadn't made the schedule yet. So she texted me like, um, a few days after Christmas and asked me while she was making the, up the schedule, which week are you coming back from vacation? I can't remember. And I was like, um, and she basically asked me, are you coming back next week or the week after? And I was like, well, if you can give me till the week after, I will take it gladly. And she did. <laughs> so I thought I was going to have a week of vacation, but it's, it's turning out to be more like a week and a half. I don't know. All told, I think I have close to two weeks off, but actual hours wise, because we've had a, anyway, nobody cares, but actual hours wise, I will only have to take like 30 hours of vacation for having all, like two weeks off. So it's amazing. It's awesome. I'm so happy. Um, and my Michael is actually off this week too. So we're just like, you know, mostly staycation stuff. We are going to do a day trip this week, but, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. We're just, you know, taking life a day at a time, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to like have a general outlook of, I'm sick of letting I just feel like there's a general overall vibe 
of the older you get, and by you, I mean everyone, the older you get, the more paralyzed by fear you become. I've seen it in all people, all walks of life, and it's happening to me too. It's just like the, I just, I'm developing so much anxiety in my older years and I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to let fear control me. So I've been, you know, trying to sort of engage with life more. And it's easy for me to say right now because it's the beginning of the year and I have like, you know, extra energy to make changes in my life because I'm being extra reflective and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I'm optimistic. So cool. I hope you are too. That's the point. Um, okay. So let me go to my notes. Um, Anya's talking about, you know, uh, Buffy says something like, you know, it says it's the thing that created all evil. And Anya's like, yeah, like I haven't heard that one before. I'm so evil. I'm so bad. Baddie, bad, bad. Does it make you horny? (laughs) Which I thought was funny because that's, that's so how, you know, villains in all different kinds of metaphysical shows are, right? They're just like, I'm the worst. I'm the thing that created all evil. I'm the baddest, bad, bad. (laughs) Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. Um, Dawn slaps Andrew because everybody loves torturing Andrew. He's just the comic relief of the season, to be honest. Um, it was nothing. I don't know why I wrote. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. So throughout this episode, it's, um, the whole thing is that Buffy is, she's extremely sleep deprived. Like, I don't think she slept in several days and, um, sorry, I'm shuffling cards right now. (laughs) I feel like uh, doing something with my hands right now. I hope that's okay. Hope it's not too loud. I'll try to do it away from the microphone. Um, so throughout this episode, we see Buffy having conversations with her mom a couple of different times. And we keep thinking it's the first, it's the first, but then she wakes up from a dream. So it's not really the first. It's more like she's having her prophetic dreams like she does. And in these dreams, um, Joyce is telling her things like evil is here. It's already here. People are putting too much pressure on you, Buffy. You're not going to be able to defeat this one. It's just how it is, you know? Um, It's kind of like supportive mom stuff, but it's also kind of antagonistic in a sense. So you think it's the first. And I'm wondering, you know, it's never, this question is never answered because we only see this maybe in this episode and maybe that's it. I don't know if we see this again, this whole her mom talking to her thing. Um, I guess it's just a way of having Joyce in the last season of the show, even though she's dead there, they brought her back. Um, maybe, maybe they're just having her in it to be able to have her in it for a minute, have her in it for a minute. But, um, so I don't think we find out like, is the first actually visiting her in her dreams to torment her? Or is this just one of Buffy's regular prophetic dreams situations? I don't know. Um, 
let's see. Oh, and the, I wrote down it's, it was nothing because, um, Xander wakes her up at one point and he's like, is it, are you okay? Because I think everybody, this is something that like, until just this moment, I don't think I've ever verbalized this before, but it bugs me that like, okay, so Buffy does have prophetic dreams all the time. She has psychic dreams, prophetic dreams, prescient dreams, foreboding dreams, whatever. She sees the future in her dreams. She has dreams of mystical significance because she's the slayer. And it's never really talked about by any of the characters. Um, besides every once in a while, Giles will say something. I remember in particular, he said something in the pilot episode because he said, it's not as if you're having the dreams, right? Something like that. But it's, it's a thing. Um, she has these dreams and it's never really talked about. It's never really given any significance or weight for the most part. Um, which I think that's just a missed opportunity, you know? And maybe that is what's happening here. Maybe Xander asking her about what she was dreaming is him trying to engage with her on this level of knowing that she has prophetic dreams and maybe she has something to add here. But Buffy, as per usual, one of her favorite pastimes is not letting people in on what she's thinking or what's going on with her or what has happened. So she's just like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Um, throughout this episode, we get um, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because it's been a while. Um, if you don't remember, Spike had been taken by the bringers. The bringers came and attacked at the house and um, took Spike. So the first as Drusilla is torturing Spike throughout this episode. So you get to see Drusilla, which is great, which is amazing. Um, also stupid personal life update. Um, I think the last time I talked to you guys, I mentioned the last time I had an episode of this podcast, I mentioned that I was going to be adopting a new cat. Perhaps, maybe we're, we're going to see how it went. Well, as of this recording, we've had her for two and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, we adopted her. We brought her home. It was supposed to be like a trial overnight thing, but, um, we were pretty sure it was going to be fine. And it was, and she's been, she's been amazing. She's only three months old. So she's a baby. She's a baby. I've never had a kitten before. So it is an adventure for sure, but she's very sweet and, um, she's getting along with our other cat pretty well. Like she's annoying my other cat because my other cat is, um, Kali named after the goddess Kali. She is, um, seven years old, seven, six, six or seven. She's six or seven. So she's fully out of the kitten phase and she's a little chonky. <laughs> But, um, so she is annoyed by our new cat, but we named our new cat Drusilla. That's why I bring it up right now. 
Um, <laughs> and it's funny because we didn't mean to do this, but she, um, Kali, our other cat, our six-year-old cat, she is black with a little white patch on her chest, all black, white patch on her chest. This new kitten, Drusilla, is black with a white patch on her chest. In fact, her name before she got to us was Patch because of the white patch on her chest. But um, it's just hilarious that we ended up adopting another cat that looks very similar. Um, I can't wait until she's full grown to see like, you know, will they, I mean, of course I'll know the difference between them, but will it be easy to tell at a glance? Like most people coming over to our house, they're not going to know the difference between our two cats. <laughs> um, Drusilla has orange eyes though, and Kali has um, green eyes. So that is a difference. <laughs> but anyway, it's been amazing um, having a new cat. Anyway, it's part of the reason why you're getting this podcast so late because um, I just, especially the first couple weeks that we had her, um, I just, I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't concentrate on anything else. It was just, we have a new cat. <laughs> what does that mean? How many litter boxes do we need to have? Like whatever, whatever it's, but it's been great. It's been really great. I don't necessarily like the whole like baby animal situation is not really for me overall, but I like that we get to have the experience of having a kitten. Um, and I am very much looking forward to when she's old and fat, you know, <laughs> but it's fun that I get to be here for this part of the process. I'm enjoying it. Um, even though I don't know if I'll ever seek it out again. Today we were walking Z, our dog, um, and he is a geriatric at this point. He is... 13, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's 13, 13 or 14. So he is, he's getting up there. And I said to Michael, I, I, it's going to be just like, we were taking him for a walk and it's become more of a saunter in his older age. But I said, you know, it's going to be really sad when eventually Z goes to college and we're just walking without a dog? What? And he's like, yeah, I know. We're going to need another dog. <laughs> he suggested we adopt another German Shepherd so that we have like a German Shepherd puppy with our geriatric dog, the same way we have a kitten that looks exactly like our older cat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. I do not want to have a puppy at the same time that we have a kitten. And also, I'm not sure I want to have a puppy at all. But yeah, I do think, you know, right now our setup is we have one dog and two cats. And actually, I think that's a pretty good setup for us. So that might be what we have going forward. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Dogs are a lot though. Dogs are a lot. Anyway, sorry. I keep getting distracted from the episode just talking about myself. Thank you for listening. Okay. Um, Spike being tortured by Drusilla. Then we have um, a quote from Drusilla. Little girls tear so easily like pink paper. 
I wish I had had the foresight to start keeping track of all the best Drusilla quotes. Like if I had just a notebook with Drusilla quotes in it, that would be really awesome. (laughs) Um, But I don't, but that's a good one. Um, Then we have a good quote from Xander. Um, Whenever um, Andrew leads them to the seal of Danzelthar in the basement of the high school, the the seal that's over the hellmouth. Okay, so I have a question. The seal that's over the hellmouth that is like, you know, a Baphomet head reverse pentacle with a Libra and a Pisces. No, a Libra and a Taurus. Libra and Taurus astrological symbols on them. What, like, was this there back with the original high school in the first three seasons? Was the seal of Danzelthar always right on top of the Hellmouth, but they just never saw it because the Hellmouth opened underneath the library? So, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so Xander whenever Andrew takes them to the seal of Danzelthar, he says, whoa, check out the goat heady badness. And then later, I think it's also Xander refers to it as the satanic manhole cover, (laughs) which again, Xander said a few episodes ago, a few short episodes ago that he Actually, it was the first episode of the season. So how far in are we? I don't know. We're on disc three. (laughs) I know that much. Because yes, I'm still a physical media person. I have the DVDs. Um, Xander said that he had double checked and triple checked the blueprints. And there's no, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing evil. He reassured Buffy of that. So either he doesn't actually, either he was lying and he doesn't do his job very well or what? How was the satanic manhole cover of goat heady badness kept from Xander who knew the blueprints inside and out? I don't know, but just a question that I have. Um, nobody's wondering where Jonathan's body is because you know, Andrew has told them everything that like, this is where he killed Jonathan and he takes them there. He shows them the seal of Danzelthar, blah, 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 blah. But wouldn't they have a question about where Jonathan's body is? And then they run into Principal Wood like five minutes later and he's carrying a shovel. Buffy would be asking questions normally at this point, but she is not. That's okay. I mean, she is sleep deprived. So we'll give her a pass for that. Um, uh, Willow does like a demon locator spell thing, you know, the same spell that we've seen her do several times before, but this time the first like embodies her for a second and it's really fucking scary. And Xander has to, it like attacks Anya and Buffy And so Xander has to like break some kind of vessel that was used as part of the spell. So it breaks the spell. But if he hadn't done that, I don't know what would have happened, but it was really scary. And Willow's like, don't make me do anything like that again. And Willow's like, you don't have to, you know, anyway. Um, 
And that's when Giles shows up after that situation. Giles shows up with no warning, no hugs, no touching. That was my note. And he shows up with the potentials and also those books. And he also tells everybody about the fact that the Watcher's Council is gone. So they didn't know, um, which why would they? But they didn't know. He tells them he has these Watcher's books. In uh, Annabelle had them in her backpack so that it's very weird to see Anthony Stewart Head not doing anything with his hands. You know, because we're used to seeing him take off his glasses and clean them or like have an apple in his hand. He is like, he is an actor that engages with the props, engages with his surroundings. It's part of what makes him such a charming actor and so good at what he does. And so it's weird to see him not doing that stuff. It's so weird, but I didn't notice it the first time around. So I can't say that I would if I didn't know, you know, anyway, they're doing a lot of stuff like Googling the source of all evil and Googling the first and shit like that. They're not calling it Googling at this point. I don't think. Um, although I think maybe Google already existed by this point, cause we're talking beginning of 2000, no, we're talking end of 20, 2002. I keep wanting to say 2022, <laughs> end of 2002 we're talking here. So Google probably existed, but, um, they're not saying the word Google yet on the show. Um, during some of Giles's exposition about the first, he says, if the Hellmouth has no guardian, the balance is destroyed, meaning the balance between good and evil. So if we flash back to season three, that was one of the things that, um, when the first was trying to get Angel to kill himself, they were, they were talking about the balance between good and evil and sort of like, I don't know, balancing the scale, something like that. Um, but at this point, I don't know if we've already heard them say this. I think we have. The first has said, um, I'm over the whole balancing the scales, mortal coil thing. I don't care anymore. I just want to take over. You know, they're, they're here to obliterate the Slayer line and the Watchers and anyone that could help the Slayer. They're here to destroy all of it at this point. So, um, yeah, anyway, where are we? Source of all evil. Um, just, just wanted to note that Kennedy has, she has this like little coin necklace for some reason, little circular silver coin like pendants always like distract me. I always want like all the necklaces in the world. But she has, she's wearing like a coin shaped pendant that is just like a silver Pisces symbol. And I noticed it. So, <laughs> and I do think she brings that up at one point that Kennedy's like, I'm a Pisces. I'm used to getting my way or something like that. <laughs> so we meet Kennedy in this episode. Um, I'm open to the idea this time around of not hating Kennedy, but, and I've never really hated her. 
but I don't like her. It's not just because she's not Tara. I'm at least mature enough that I can accept Willow moving on with her life, but it just, Kennedy feels forced. She shows up, she immediately like expresses her interest in Willow, even in this episode. So this is the first time we've seen her. And at one point she's, she says to Willow, like they're talking about sleeping arrangements for all the girls. Where are they going to sleep? Blah, blah, blah. And she tells Willow, don't hog the covers. So it's like from the very beginning, she's into Willow and she doesn't hide it. And she's, you know, very self-involved and all of that stuff, which really tracks, I mean, with her being a Pisces. So I did, I think this is the first time I've noticed that she has a Pisces necklace because I know like all the, all the astrological alchemical symbols, I know what they are now. So, um, I think this is my object of the episode. Let me go ahead and write it down. I don't want a Pisces necklace cause I'm not a Pisces, but it would be fun to have a Libra necklace, a Libra pendant. Although I don't know why I'm so obsessed with pendants. Um, I mean, I am, but I wear like the same, like right now I'm wearing like my two most worn necklaces at the same time. And most of the time I just don't even take them off, <laughs> but I love, I don't know. There's just something about like a character having a signature piece of jewelry. That's just always like really, I don't know. It grounds me in who that character is. I should have been like a prop person. I should have been like either in costume. Um, I don't know if I would be good at designing costumes, but like finding good costumes for people to wear, you know, <laughs> I should have been in prop design or costume design because I, most of the time when I'm watching shows, I am focusing on, in on people's style and what that says about their character or what their bedrooms say about their character and stuff like that. Like that tells me more than plots and things that they say, like their dialogue and their, and the plot points in a story are less important to me than their bedrooms and what they wear. <laughs> So the fact that Kennedy comes blazing in with a Pisces um, necklace is just, it tells you everything you need to know. She's wearing, um, her hair is very no nonsense, but it has some sassy bangs. She has um, the Pisces necklace. She has a like thermal sort of see-through shirt with just a black bra underneath and also like cargo pants. So she's very like, she's dressed for a utilitarian, but it's still expressive of some style and some sexiness. And she also has the Pisces necklace. So like, I'm open to liking Kennedy this time around is my point, but I generally don't like Kennedy. Just saying. Um, that's that. Where are we? Um, scary locator spell. Okay, wait, I went back. I went back because I was writing down the fact that I want the Pisces necklace, except I want a Libra necklace because I'm Libra sun and Libra rising. Um, I think the symbols that are on, that have been carved into Spike's chest, 
I had thought before that they were runes, but I think they're actually, they might just be variations of and not actual symbols from, but I think they are symbols from the Necronomicon. So I used to have, I think it's Anton LaVey, most likely it's Anton LaVey, who is like the founder of Satanism, like actual Satanism, not like TV Satanism, which is not the same. Actual Satanism is not really, it's not really inherently evil. It's more just hedonistic. It's more just about like living life for the sake of pleasure and fun. It's not really evil. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anton LaVey was very dramatic. So, you know, he called it Satanism. But anyway, he had a book called the Necronomicon Spellbook or something like that. I used to have it. I wish I had kept it just because it's hilarious. But it was just a book full of symbols. And they looked like the symbols that are on Spike's chest. So if I still had it, I would look up what those symbols are to see if they're in that book and what they represent. Man, that would be so cool if I could do that for you guys. But I can't because I don't have it anymore. So whatever. Moving on. I think they're Necronomicon symbols, not runes. They're definitely not runes. I don't know runes super well, but I know them well enough to know that those aren't runes on his chest. I don't know why. I think I said that before, so I just wanted to clarify. Um, where are we? Buffy goes to check out the Christmas tree lot because it is Christmas time again. So the first time we met the first, the first time we met the first, it was Christmas time because it was the episode, the Christmas episode where it snowed in L.A., snowed in Sunnydale sorry um and the first tried to get Angel to kill himself and Buffy distracted him long enough for whatever anyway um so she goes back to the Christmas tree lot where she had first seen the the bringers and met the first and all that shit and she goes there with Giles. She falls in. She investigates us when she meets the Uber vamp. She barely gets away from him. They, it's like sunrise. They go home. They update the potentials on what's going on. At first, Giles wants to like protect them from this information. But Buffy's like, you know what? We're, they gotta know what's going on. Which points for Buffy because usually she hides everything from everyone. So this is kind of uncharacteristic of her. They were probably doing this particular plot point just to further raise our suspicions about Giles. Like, is he actually the first? Because he didn't want to tell them what was going on and Buffy did. But whatever the case, she does tell them because when they walk in the door, um, they're going in like the kitchen door. So kind of the back door. They're going in the kitchen door and like three of the potentials, including Kennedy, are like in the kitchen eating breakfast because they're all nervous and they're awake and they can't sleep and blah, blah, blah. So Buffy tells them what's up, tells them about the Uber vamp that she just met. And Giles has some exposition about how he thought that they were only rumored. And that's when we find out they're pretty much the Neanderthals of vampires. They're the original vampires. Um, so Buffy tells them they just have to sit tight. Like it looks like the, so the vampire was only, the Turakon couldn't follow Buffy 
because it was daylight. So whenever she crawled out of the like hole under the Christmas tree lot to get away, he couldn't follow because the sun was rising. So she was like, hey, you'll be fine because it's daytime. I'm going to go to work and uh, you guys just sit tight. So we get to nighttime. Um, stupid exchange between Buffy and Principal Wood at work um, that because she's like searching for evil online. She had fallen asleep at her desk at one point while she was talking to a student. We get those little aspects of her day. Like how many more times do we actually even see her at work? I don't know. Um, this is making me flashback to the first episode of the season when there was like sort of that promise of like, we're back at high school. We're going to do some high school plot lines. Nope. <laughs> like it's, they're amping up the, I don't know. It would be cool if, and I'm not saying that there should have been eight seasons of Buffy, but if there were, and the seventh season had started with her becoming a counselor at the high school and Dawn going to high school and blah, 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 they could have taken more time sort of giving us some like high school plot lines and stuff. And then they could have transitioned into the whole super biggest, baddest evil attacking everyone. I don't know. They could have given us more time or maybe they could have just, I don't know, whatever, whatever. Um, so it's nighttime now she's home from work. Um, and Annabelle has run off. She's super scared. And there's like this whole, like, conversation in the living room as it's getting dark and everybody's talking about how scared they are and Buffy's trying to like she's trying to lead them but she doesn't know how to lead a whole bunch of people you know she's used to just her smaller group and so we're seeing her sort of transition into like you know Giles keeps telling her like everyone's depending on you Buffy you know you're our only hope and all this shit because she is the slayer and these are all the potentials and you know I don't think I explained this very clearly before, but Giles is basically say, basically said to them all, like, this is what the first is doing. They're trying to take out the entire Slayer line. They're trying to take out the Slayers, you and Faith. They're trying to take out all of the potentials. They already took out the Watcher's Council. They're trying to take care of all the Guardians of the Hellmouth. Like, I, I did sort of say that, but I'm just saying it again. Um, so Buffy's trying to be a leader and all that shit. Like that's, that's kind of what's happening in this episode where she's sort of struggling along, trying to figure out how to be a leader at the same time that she's super sleep deprived. And like, she doesn't know how to face this whole thing. She's not super worried about Spike though. <laughs> I noticed like normally she would be very preoccupied with, but she only makes like one mention of Spike at the beginning of the episode. Like if we're going to save Spike, then we need to blah, blah, blah. But for the rest of the episode, she doesn't even mention him. She's not even really thinking about him. She's just too fucking tired. Um, then we get, okay. So Annabelle runs off. She immediately gets killed because sunset and she runs off and she immediately gets killed by the Turakon slash Uber vamp. Buffy goes out to try to 
find Annabelle and she gets beaten down by the uber vamp like a lot like it's a scary fight like you think that maybe Buffy is actually in danger and actually like a whole bunch of stuff like rubble and stuff fell on top of her and then we get the scene of like um Xander and Willow and Giles like I don't think Giles is doing anything because he's not touching anything right now but um we get um Xander and Willow like pulling all the rubble off of Buffy and she looks like she's dead for a second and they didn't really give that the weight that they should have given it <laughs> like they don't seem that concerned but I feel like they should be but anyway um they don't seem super concerned but um she looks like she's dead but she's not um she looks really beat up and um we hear like we see the scene where she's sort of all like curled up on a chair and she looks really beat up and she looks like she's kind of catatonic again like she was in season five and um we hear um willow giles xander and dawn probably i think it's maybe Anya's there too we hear them having a conversation in the background so we're seeing like a slow close-up so slow close in on Buffy as she's sort of like in a fugue state sort of catatonic and she's really beat up sitting in this chair so we're just seeing her face as she's overhearing all of this and everybody's like is she okay and Giles is like I don't know I don't think she's gonna die but she might have internal bleeding and they're like, oh my God, what if she can't fight? And it's like, I don't know. Buffy was our plan. You know, we don't have another plan. Buffy was our plan. <laughs> you know, so it's like, everybody's like so scared right now. And I think in this moment, she's realizing it doesn't matter how fucking tired she is, how beat down she is. She needs to rally the troops. And so she comes out. And she has a very inspiring speech wherein she finally gets her groove with the inspiring speeches. And we're going to see this taken way over the top <laughs> throughout the rest of the season where she's like doing these inspiring speeches all the time and they get really tiresome. But this is her first one and it's a pretty good one. She comes out and she says, you know, I'm tired. I'm beyond tired. I'm beyond scared. And we're always just reacting to things and we need to take the fight to them. We need to, we need to declare war. And then she says, this is the quote of the episode. I'm standing on the mouth of hell and it's going to swallow me whole, but it's going to choke on me. And I just love that she said it like that. Like, you know what? I might not survive this. None of us will it's possible none of us will survive this, but they're going to, but we're going to make it hard. We're going to become an army. Let's do this. You know? Um, and there was a question, there was a question earlier in the episode, like, do we arm the potential slayers? Do we train them? Like it's, it's kind of up in the air. What do we do? And Buffy's so tired and like everyone's looking to her to make the decisions. And this was her making the decision. We're going to train you. You're going to become an army. So, yeah, 
So this is a nice little turning point. Like we have some answers about what we're up against. We are gathering together the army. It's, it's a good moment. It's, it's a good episode in general. And that's it. That's, that's the end of the episode. Um, oh, at one point Spike's like essentially the only reason why he's, he's not giving in to anything that the Drusilla first is doing to him is that, you know, he has, you know, strength in his soul, in his heart, in his being to keep going through all of this torture and he's basically telling the first, you can't control me anymore. Um, so does that mean his trigger is no longer working? I don't think so, actually, because I think we see the trigger working again later. But the first doesn't choose to trigger the trigger at this point <laughs> in this episode. And he's like, you know, basically, you can't control me because Buffy believes in me. <laughs> Anyway, that's out of context because I finished talking about the episode before I realized, oh yeah, I didn't talk about that. Let's do ratings, shall we? So object of the episode, Libra necklace. I don't know. Do I really want a Libra necklace? Maybe not, but whatever. Um, at my favorite witchy shop, they have like little, little like pewter coin things um, I wonder if they have one with a Libra symbol on it. I'm going there in a couple of days, so I might, I might actually pick one up if it exists because it would be like five bucks <laughs> and I could just keep it in my pocket sometimes or something. <laughs> anyway, um, outfit of the episode. There was nothing remarkable. All the fashion is at this point 2002 fashion is just not for me. I've talked about it ad nauseum before, so I won't do it again now. It's just not applicable. Again, I didn't notice the scene. Well, I guess we could, you know what? Never mind. I'm crossing that out. I'll give it to Drusilla because she's wearing, I believe she's just wearing a pretty simple, like sleeveless, like straight line, long dress probably wearing tights and some kind of cool boots. Um, and she's wearing like um, a beaded bib necklace that um, it's, it's very like low key, but it's just classic Gothic Drusilla look, you know, MVP of the episode. Um, let's just give it to Buffy. We never give it to Buffy. And you know, that rousing speech at the end is definitely the, the choke on me. Hellmouth speech is definitely, you know, gives her MVP, I think of the episode. So that's the quote. Um, I'll say it again, just for funsies. Uh, where is it? I'm standing on the mouth of hell and it's going to swallow me whole, but it's going to choke on me. I think she technically said, but it'll choke on me, but it'll choke on me. Um, five by five. I mean, again, this is just another episode that is advancing the plot. It's doing its job. It knows what it's doing. It's fine. It's not particularly a stout standout episode. Like when I hear 
Bring on the Night as the title of an episode. I don't know which one it is offhand, and most of them I do. So I'll give it a I'll give it a three out of five. It was fine. It was fine. So I'll be back. So okay, our schedule for January. On the seventh of January two thousand two, the episode Showtime aired. On the 21st of January, 2000, I guess we're talking 2003 now, sorry, 2003. The 21st of 2003, January, the episode Potential aired. So we have two episodes to talk about in January. Um, I can't promise that I will talk about them on the exact right days, but I will be talking about them even if they're a week late, (laughs) even if both of them are a week late, I will be talking about them. I'm not giving up on this podcast. I'm just tardy. That's all. Um, it's just so weird that in May, just like five months from now, little over, I will be finishing this Buffy podcast. That's crazy to me. I don't know what I'm going to do after that. I don't know if I'm I mean, tentative plans are I'm going to review season five of Angel next year. And then after that, maybe I'll start talking about a different TV show. I don't know. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, what you would like me to talk about going forward after I'm done with Buffy. What would you guys like me to talk about? I might eventually have like a survey that I'll put up on like my YouTube and or my Patreon or whatever. So you can go there and vote. Um, but for now, if you have ideas, um, let me know. Ray at protonmail.com. I mean, we've got five months to think about it, but um, do you want to talk about season five of Angel next year? If yes or no, what would you like me to talk about after that? Um, I just, I don't know. I don't think I want to talk about any of my like top five favorite shows. I think Buffy, after Buffy, from now on, if I'm going to be critically analyzing movies or TV, they need to be something that I like but not something that I love because Buffy for me started out. So after the original run of Buffy back, you know, in 2003, when it ended, it was, I just started like pretty much from then on just watching it over and over and over. It became for a while, it was like a bedtime show for me. I would, you know, literally like in my very first apartments, whenever I was living alone, I would have my tiny, tiny little Curtis Mathis TV VCR combo. And I would watch the VHS tapes or the DVDs because I could hook my DVD player up to my TV VCR combo. Um, I would watch Buffy at night before bed. And it was just a comfort show for me. And I would just watch it over and over and over. And it, 
I don't think it has ruined my experience of Buffy to talk about it critically, but it's definitely changed my relationship to it. Like, I'm excited, and I know I've said this before, but sorry. I'm excited to go back to watching Buffy without critiquing it. So I'm excited for this project to be over, which is probably part of the reason why I've been dragging my feet all season long. I'm still excited to finish the project and continue talking about it with you guys, but I'm also excited for it to be done. And going forward, I'm not going to want to, like, for example, one of my very favorite all-time shows, like, seriously, I love it so intensely, is Glow. But I don't think I want to talk about Glow critically. I don't want to do it. I don't want to pick it apart. I don't want to sit down and write notes. I just want to surrender to the show and enjoy it. But one idea that just keeps, one particular show that just keeps coming back up in my mind. Like for a second, I was like, maybe I want to do Veronica Mars because it's a similar, similar like vibe to Buffy. Not really. It's not a metaphysical show. It's not a supernatural show, but it still has the, you know, tiny blonde badass at the center. And I like Veronica Mars, but Veronica Mars does not hold up to scrutiny very well. <laughs> so I'd rather just enjoy it, you know, not talk about it. Um, but Dexter, or maybe probably not Gilmore Girls. It is a show that I've seen a bazillion times. It is a show that... But I don't know how much I would have to say about it. But Dexter. I think Dexter's the answer. What do you guys think? Because it is a show that I do like, that I've seen all the way through, well, with the exception of the last season. I refuse to watch the last season. But of course, if I were doing my whole like 20 years later situation, and I believe that Dexter started airing in like 05 or 06. So like we'd be finishing Buffy in May, 2023. We'd be talking about Angel season five until May, 2024. And then we'd have a little bit of a break before we start talking about Dexter, if that's the way we choose to go. Um, I believe because I believe Dexter started in 05, maybe 06. Hold on. Let me look it up just because I'm talking about it right now. Okay. October 1st, 2006 is the first episode of Dexter. So we'd be looking at some empty space there. You know, if I do season five of Angel, I'll be finishing up in 2024, mid 2024, and we'll have until the end of 2026. If I'm still continuing with the exactly 20 years later air date shit, which I don't know if I'd want to do that with Dexter, or maybe I could just abandon the whole 20 years later premise. I don't know. But anyway, we have time to think about that, but I'm just letting you know what I'm thinking right now because I'm a process queen. So let me know your thoughts. Mixtress Ray at protonmail.com. 
Um, or if you're mom, if you're my mom, you can just text me <laughs> as you do. I know she's going to be all over me talking about Dexter because it's her, one of her very, 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 very favorite shows. And she would be happy to watch it with me, um, and provide lots of commentary that I can then relay to you guys. Or maybe I can even have her on as a guest. Um, I haven't had my mom on as a guest on my podcast in years, um, but yeah, anyway, let me know what you guys are thinking about that shit. And I'm going to shut the fuck up and go to bed because it's 1245 AM. Um, okay. I will see you guys soon to talk about Showtime, which is the one where I actually don't know. I think it's the one where she Buffy like gathers the potentials and makes them watch her fight the Turakan and she kills it. So it's a super inspiring moment. But other than that, I don't know what happens in the episode. Um, again, season seven is just kind of a dark spot for me with Buffy. Like I remember it, but I just don't remember it as well. Anyway, it's so weird to think that like, I have not watched a Buffy episode outside the scope of this project since I started it. Not once. So I've been without the like context of watching Buffy. I've been, you know, sort of watching Buffy as a comfort show, which is what it was for me for so long. I haven't done it in the last seven years. That's crazy to me. <laughs> so many people are discovering Buffy now that like, you know, did not even know about it seven years ago. We're probably children seven years ago. You might've even been a child seven years ago as you listen to this, but I am your 40 year old auntie who's been watching Buffy since 2000. I've been watching Buffy since like 99, 98 or 99, probably. Let's see. Season one started in 97. And I saw my first episode, season three. So it might have been 99, might have been 2000. Probably 99. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I've been watching Buffy since 1999, kiddos. <laughs> okay, I'm shutting up now. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.